Hello, hello, and welcome to The Art of Being You with me, Rachel Wortman. You guys, this podcast is all about learning to be who God created you to be, embracing that person, and ultimately living your best life with Jesus. We've got a lot of great content today, so let's get to it in The Art of Being You. Welcome, welcome, welcome. I've got a really fun episode planned for you today. We're tackling the question, does God want me to be happy? Or in your case, does God want you to be happy? This is an interesting thought that sort of came to me when I was spending time with God recently. And if you know me personally, you know that I spend time with Jesus every day. Um, It doesn't look the same every day, so I don't wake up at the same time every day. I'm not that type of a regimented person, and I think God's cool with that. But every day I make it a point to make sure I'm connected to his presence and engaging with him. Some days I like to journal in my time with the Lord. And this particular day was one of those days. So when I journal, typically I wake up early on those days so that I can have plenty of time before the kids wake up to get my thoughts out and to really have some quiet space to listen to the Lord. So on this particular day, I asked God a question that I ask him fairly regularly, and it was this, God, what's on your mind today? So if you like to journal or you are interested in learning to hear God's voice more, this is a great question to ask. And for me, what I do is I just write the question down, quite literally, God, comma, What's on your mind today? Question mark. And then I draw a little L with a circle around it. I'm sure you've heard me say that before. And that's just the way that I can tell when I feel like I'm writing down what God was speaking to me versus just my own thoughts. I can go back and look at those things often. So I draw my little L. I just say to the Lord, what's on your mind today? And today or this particular day, he said, you. And I'm like, well, that's nice. You know, he doesn't always say that I'm on his mind. But on this particular day, um, this is what he said. I'm going to read to you from my journal. He said, you, your happiness is not my chief concern, but your effectiveness is. I was like, oh, talking to dad in his office type moment. It wasn't harsh. It wasn't rude. And to be completely honest, I was not telling the Lord prior to this question about all the things I want in life to make me happy. But I realized when he said this, how easy it is for us to fall into that cycle of looking at the Lord as sort of the chief executive officer of our happiness. Because I think sometimes we confuse happiness with like this, you know, innate right to being alive. Maybe that's because we're Americans and it's part of our constitution. You know, we we are given the unalienable right to the pursuit of happiness. But God doesn't actually give us that right. In fact, often I kind of wonder if people who are struggling with their faith, and I'm including myself in that from different times in my life, if when you're struggling with your faith, if it's because you received the message at salvation that this was going to make your life easier. I mean, the truth of the matter is that following Jesus is probably the hardest thing you can do with your life, right? I mean, all the disciples, every person that wanted to follow Jesus in the New Testament was given a command to come and follow him, and there was always a cost involved. It's still true for us today. Following Jesus doesn't mean that your life is automatically going to be easy, 
that everything is going to work for you, that all the ducks are going to fall into their perfect little row, that every door will open. That's actually not what following Jesus is like. Following Jesus is the absolute certainty that there will be times in your life where he calls you to things that are difficult, but in that process, you will become more like him and that will be the most satisfying journey you ever go on with your life. Maybe I should say it this way. Following Jesus doesn't mean that everything will go right for you, but that when it's not going right for you, you have a source to draw from. You have a companion in those moments. You have a comforter in the Holy Spirit to help you. And you have a comforter and a companion on the mountaintops of life as well. But if we're tackling this this topic, does God really want you to be happy or what does he think about your happiness? Then we kind of have to look at it as what is happiness? Going back to my moment of journaling with the Lord, God was speaking to me about how my happiness is not his job. Well, let me say that again, because hold the phone. He said, my happiness, in other words, for me as Rachel, you know, in other words, God would be saying to you, your happiness is not his job. Wow. It's a lot to take in. I just have to say, you know, we, we, we do gravitate towards this understanding of God as sort of like a butler in our life. Do you ever feel like that? It's sort of like ring the bell and, you know, oh, dear Lord, I am not feeling happy. Can you bring me a popsicle and a juice box, please? You know, it's like we, we just look to the Lord and say, oh, God, I feel like I need this. I need more money for this thing. Or I need more, you know, friends in my life so I can do this. Or I, I want this. Or, God, I want this so bad. And, you know, then we start to manipulate him with scripture. And then you say in Psalms that, you know, you're going to give me the desires of my heart. I remember one other time I was journaling with the Lord. This was a long time ago, probably 12 years ago. And I was talking to the Lord about um, my husband and I were going on staff with our church and we needed to raise support for our job because it was like a missionary position. And I was so nervous. I was so nervous that God was not going to provide the finances. I'd never experienced God as a provider before. And so I felt like I was standing at a cliff and just all the feelings that come with you're supposed to jump, but what's going to happen? And I remember the Lord saying to me one day as I was praying and I was lamenting and I was, you know, just agonizing is probably a better word for it. And I was saying, oh God, please do this. Please provide this. Please, 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 please. You know, if you do this, I will, I will, you know, love you forever. I will pray all these times. I will go. I don't even know, but I was starting to like bargain with God. And the Lord said back to me pretty sharply, he said, do not manipulate me. What? How can we manipulate God? Well, I don't think we actually can, but we try all the time, right? We bargain with God. God, this would make me so happy if you would give me this or if you would give me that. Oh God, it would make me so happy if if my husband or my wife could just whatever. Oh God, you know, and we, we, we try to bargain with him. But as God was telling me on this particular day recently, your happiness is not my concern. It's not what I'm spending all of my time thinking about. Your effectiveness is. Your effectiveness at, this is me going off off script a little bit, but essentially what the Lord was talking to me about was my effectiveness at obeying the things he's put before me. My effectiveness at fulfilling the assignment that God has put on my life, my purpose. If you don't have a purpose or you don't know you have a purpose, but if you don't know what that purpose is, if you don't know what the assignment is, then that's step one. Because sometimes we can just be grasping at happiness and, oh, trying all these different things. I'll serve in this area. I'll serve in this area. I'll try to try to do this thing and see if it fulfills me. 
But the reality is that fulfillment only comes in Jesus alone. That doesn't mean we can't be satisfied or find contentment through other things, but ultimately it's Jesus that brings true fulfillment. Now, I'm an Enneagram 7, and so what 7s are sort of prone to be like, if you're familiar with the Enneagram, it's a personality assessment test. And 7s are people, I think the phrase that's used to describe is that you will never find true fulfillment and contentment in life. And I find that to be quite true because I'm always looking at what's next. I'm living in the future in my mind, you know, everything that's shiny and new. I'm like, oh, oh, I got to go look at that. And I get obsessed with that. And, and, I, and I'm all about that. But if I look at those things, the new thing, even if it's the new assignment that God has called me to as the source to my happiness and my contentment, then I'm going to go down fast. I'm going to go down in a flaming ball of, you know, badness (laughs) because life doesn't bring contentment in the way that Jesus does. Let me tell it to you like this. So in this conversation, as the Lord was talking to me about what's important to him is is my effectiveness or your effectiveness. What's important is, is that we're obeying the things that he's asked us to do, that we're saying yes, and we're completing the tasks, not just starting them. And, um, and so I said, Lord, you know, I realize in this moment as I was journaling with him, I realize how much I do lately look to you as like sort of the source of my happiness. So teach me how to set my happiness aside. Teach me how to, how to set that aside. And I felt like the Lord was reminding me that the, that, you know, out in the world today, you can find so many teachings about how to deal with your emotions, how to not be led by your emotions. In fact, if you refer to driving your struggle bus, that episode of this podcast, we We talk about that a little bit too. There is so much resource out there for navigating your own self and your own emotions and your own happiness. And it's our job. Essentially, this is what I felt like the Lord was saying. Your happiness is not my job. It's your job. In other words, it's my job to govern my emotions, to not let them lead me astray, to not let them sink me, to to, to find contentment, to practice thankfulness, that's all on me. That's not something God is doing to cram down my throat. Maybe you need to look at it like, um, you know, when Paul talks about babies and mature people in Romans and babies crave spiritual milk, but he wants everybody to be able to eat the meat. I have four kids and I've watched all four of my kids go from being infants who could only drink milk to baby food that has to be mushed up and, you know, basically liquid food, to being able to eat something substantial for the first time that really brings them joy and happiness. In my home, it's not really steak. It's more like cookies. But, you know, when my kid gets to experience a real cookie for the first time, man, it's amazing and it changes their life forever. Now, maybe that's kind of a ridiculous analogy in light of this, but when we're talking about our faith with God, God will take us through seasons where he sort of force feeds us or he He gives us what we need for that time, but the end goal is always for us to learn to crave what's good for us and for us to govern ourselves in that. Now, I'm not saying that you govern yourself apart from Jesus. I'm saying you govern yourself with what he's already been doing in you so that you can move on to the next thing. If you know me at all, you know that I am absolutely a proponent of um, sort of anti-established religion. And that's, you know, really broad and probably not the way most people in pop culture use that. But I don't like the idea of religion that says if you just check all these boxes, there's a guaranteed result. 
every time we start saying, if I go to church, you know, every Sunday, then God will X, Y, Z, we're putting a formula. Our behavior is designed to be an overflow of who we know we are, not the proof, the proving grounds to becoming who we already are. This is a hard concept to grasp, but essentially faith without works is dead, right? The Bible tells us this. So there should be action in your faith. There should be a working of your faith. But the difference is that you're not working to prove something to God so that you can receive his love. You are working because you experience his love and it flows out of you. Let's talk about worship for just a second. I... I'm fascinated by worship because in some ways we tend to think that worship is like the byproduct of a content and happy life. In other words, we show up to church and we find it easy to worship when everything is going well. We find it easy to praise God when all the things we've been asking for are being answered and fulfilled and all of that. But that's not really worship. I mean, you can be worshiping, but let me say it this way. Worship is not the overflow of peace and happiness in your life. Worship is not the overflow of contentment. Worship is the entry point into his presence. That's one of the things that worship is. Worship is the giving to the Lord. And so you can do that whether things are going well or things are going badly. You can do it the same. Graham Cook, my one of my personal heroes, he says it like this, lamentation is the highest form of worship. Lamentation would be um, lamenting, you know, agonizing before the Lord, being honest about how difficult things are for you if you're in that kind of a season and coming to the Lord. He says, lamentation is the highest form of worship. It's the act of saying, though this is true, yet I will worship. Though this is true, My life is not going well. I am not happy. Yet I will worship you, God, because you are God. There's an invitation for us to make our pain into an offering to the Lord. It's a powerful thing. It's a difficult thing, but it can be trained into your life. So I think it's important for us today, and and maybe the question that needs to be posed is, How often are you looking to the Lord for your happiness? And let's look at your prayers. You know, I I often say that you can tell a lot about a person by the things that they're praying for. And that's not a judgment or a bad thing. It just is true. If all of my prayers are focused on myself and my needs and my wants, then there's some things that need to be adjusted in our identity. If all of my prayers are for everybody else and never for myself, then there's some things that need to be adjusted in our identity. But our prayer life is such an indicator of how we're really doing with the Lord. If you don't pray at all, or you find yourself only praying for the things that you feel like will make you happy, then maybe this is a good question for you to be asking yourself. Does my happiness ultimately really matter? At the end of our life, when we stand before God, is Jesus going to say, well, son, daughter, how happy was your life? No, he's going to say, if this is true for you, well done, good and faithful servant. So God is after your effectiveness. That doesn't mean that he just wants to work you to the bone and use you for his own plans. It just means that he, he needs you to obey the things that he's put on your heart. For me, as I journaled with the Lord on this particular day, you know, I was asking him, okay, so let's make a list together and remind me of the things that you've assigned to me. And let me see if I'm failing in any of these different things. 
And almost like a download, the Lord just gave me five different things that he's been talking to me about doing for the last year. Now, I'm a little bit embarrassed to say that some of these things were from like a year ago, but, and I've been working on them little bits, but I haven't put them as front and center to complete the task. And so the Lord was really getting on my case in a, in a very loving way, but in a stern way of saying, you know, I asked you to do these things and you need to do them. And I'm like, you're right, Lord. Now, here's the thing about the kingdom of God. Obedience is on me, right? The Lord is not twisting my arm. I have said, I want to follow you. I have told him, you can have my life. When you make that sort of a statement, you really do surrender your rights. You really do surrender your freedom. You really do surrender your opinion. When God called my husband and I to plant the church that we're planting, you know, he he really challenged us in a lot of different ways. And on one particular day, I think it was like the week that we moved to Oklahoma City to get started in the church plant. And I was out and about running errands and my husband was spending time with the Lord. And I just felt like the Lord said this to me. And it was it was one of those moments that time stands still. And I felt like the Lord said, you are not the first people I've asked to do this. In other words, to plant this particular church. And then he said, you might not be the last. It doesn't mean that God was saying, you know, I'm my watchful eye is on you. You better not mess up. What he was saying was this dream of this church has been in my heart for a really long time. And what I'm looking for and what I've been looking for is for someone who will put aside their own rights, even the right to their own happiness to fulfill this calling for me because I need people to partner with on the earth. When I heard the Lord say this, you're not the first people I've called to this and you might not be the last, I was immediately reminded of a moment of surrender, one of many in my life that happened about a year prior. We were at a missions conference and there was an invitation to give your life again to the call of, of fulfilling the Great Commission on the earth. And there were all missionaries from all over the world at this conference. And, and I remember kneeling before this altar just under the weight of the power of God. And it was just such a sacred moment of people in the Middle East with no running water, people in Asian countries with, you know, unbelievably primitive resources. And then me in the middle of America, and we're all saying, yes, God, you are worth it. Jesus, you are worth my sacrifice. Your message, your gospel is worth me giving my life yet again. And I sat there on my knees just with tears in my eyes, overwhelmed with surrender. So here I'm driving down the road in Oklahoma City, hearing the Lord say this to me, you might not be the last people. And I'm immediately taken back to that moment of surrender. You know what, Lord, you're right. I gave you my life. Now, some of you might be listening to this and saying, you know, I haven't done that with the Lord. I would say to you, he probably treats you a little bit different, not in a bad way, but just in a more gracious way. You know, when you're the executive of a company, if you're the vice president of a company, there's responsibilities there that the, the mailman doesn't carry, right? As we say yes to the Lord, as we surrender to him, then there's responsibilities that begin to be placed on us. He gives us assignments and then it's our faithfulness in those assignments that, that it's essentially a test. Is it a test to get his love? Absolutely not. That would be what religion would say. It's a test to show our willingness to do the things that God has asked us to do. So I know that's a little bit heavy, but here's the crazy part of this story. So I come home and that night I say to my husband, I'm like, Grant, I've got to tell you what God told me today while I was running errands. And he said, listen, I need to tell you what the Lord said to me. I said, you can go first because I have a lot of words. He has a few. And he says to me, I kid you not. He says these exact words. I was spending time with the Lord today. And he said to me, 
you're not the first people I've called to do this and you might not be the last. Oh my merciful heavens. Are you kidding me? That's exactly word for word what the Lord said to me. I'm not making this up, guys. I'm telling you the truth. And I'm telling this to you because it's so important to remember what you have been called to. Maybe it's motherhood. Maybe it's your job and you just don't like your job because it doesn't make you happy, but you know for a fact that God said this is where you're supposed to be. All of these questions, the assignments that are on your life, all of this has to go to the place of saying, Lord, if I'm going to follow you, then I surrender my right to be happy. Teach me how to be like you. Now, here's the kicker and the silver lining of the whole thing. In the presence of God is the fullness of joy. That's what the Bible tells us. In all of our difficulty, there is lots of joy awaiting us. So it's not to say that you won't be happy. It's just that you find your happiness, not through things or experiences, but from Jesus himself. And I'm telling you, his presence is the source of true contentment. It doesn't mean it always feels like that, but it is the truth. So for me personally, when I'm struggling and I'm not feeling like I like my life, you know where I go? Into his presence. If I discover that I'm starting to like reach for other things or distract myself with TV or movies and, and I can feel in my soul, like nobody else can understand this except for you, right? You know when you start to lean away from the Lord. It's in those moments that we have to come back in his presence and say, Lord, I'm here. I committed to you. I committed to furthering your kingdom. I'm standing in the midst of this frustration or annoyance or just lack of happiness And I'm surrendering those rights and I'm trusting you to speak into my life. So does God want you to be happy? The short answer is no. But the long answer is you will be the happiest you've ever been in the place of surrender and fulfilling the calling that's on your life. It's the kind of happiness that isn't fleeting. It's the kind of happiness that you wake up the next morning and you still feel. It doesn't go away. The dread can't quench it out. Because Jesus' presence in you is eternal if you know him as your Lord and Savior. So for anybody listening to this that has not entered into a relationship with Jesus, I just want to say to you that there is no better source for life, for joy, for peace, for fulfillment than the presence of God. God can only be accessed through his son, Jesus. That's how he designed it to be. And so if you want to access that, you can ask Jesus, Lord, come into my life. I acknowledge you as the son of God. I want to know you. I want to give you my life. That's the starting point for years and years and years of amazing conversations God wants to have for you and with you. And if you know the Lord and you don't have purpose, you don't feel like you have purpose in your life, my absolute recommendation would be to stop everything and say, God, I need to know why you created me. Lord, I need to know what is my purpose and then what is my assignment? Because our purpose in life is sort of this grand thing that we will be over the course of your entire lifespan. But God will give you assignments in each season for that purpose to work through. So your job that you're at right now just might be an assignment that you are given by God to display your grander purpose through to the people that you work with. Your season of being a mother or a father or being single or being married with no kids or being an empty nester, wherever you find yourself in life, there's an assignment related to your season. And if you're someone who has said, I have prayed that surrender, I have given my life to chasing after the dreams of God that he wants to dream through me, then I just want you to know I am so with you. On the days when it feels hard, 
I am with you. I'm right there. I'm experiencing that rub and that wrestle myself, but you can do it. Remember the moment of your surrender. Remember what it felt like to offer yourself as a sacrifice to the Lord and remember to tap into his pleasure for your saying yes to him. God is so proud of you, of all of you. He is so with you. He is so happy to be with you. He just doesn't want to be your butler attending to your every whim. So I just feel like I should pray to end this particular episode. I know I don't normally do this, but I just want to pray a blessing over you. Lord, would you come and fill all of our hearts with you? Lord, for all of us that are struggling to find happiness and we haven't found it yet, God, would you exchange that struggle with your peace and with your purpose and with your presence? And Lord, over every person that's looking for their purpose, God, we just bless them in that journey. This will be the grandest journey of your life, and we bless you to seek well. And for every person that is really struggling with the fact that they did surrender their life to you and they're they're maybe not having regrets yet, but really struggling with that calling, Lord, we just pray grace upon grace upon grace. In Jesus' name, amen. That's all I've got for you guys today, friends. I love you all. You can do this. Jesus is worth it. I'll see you next time. So you've just listened to The Art of Being You with Rachel Wortman. I hope you enjoyed this episode of my podcast. And listen, it would mean the world to me if you would subscribe and rate or review this podcast on wherever you're listening from. Also, share it with a friend. Help me get the word out. Until next time. Be blessed.